you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. All right, all set. We're on. Look at that. See, that makes me feel better. I like that. What's that? That you just fixed your hair a little bit. I just saw you. like a big alfalfa cowlick sticking up, so I was like, "I know, but you're from, but you're from you Hollywood. You're, I'm from uh, Mount Lebanon, suburb of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Mount Lebanon, dude. You? Dude, I know you where you're from. You're from uh, Mount Lebanon. And you're, uh, you're from down there in uh, Wilkinsburg. Dude, yeah, down by Turtle down Creek. There. Yeah, Turtle Creek's real nice. Too, like, um, what's the difference between the two of us? We're two handsome devils with beards from Pittsburgh. And now we landed yeah. in Hollywood. Got the IROC off the of blocks, drove down there. <laughs> that, yeah. Don, Don, Donzies for ladies' Swung, night. Swung by the O. Swung got, by the yeah, O. Got Don, one down of them. the dirty O up at uh, CMU. You know what I'm down talking where the, about. We're up where the cake this, eaters are at. This dude knows. Yeah, dude. You, like, you didn't see that game last year when, uh, when the Brownies was playing. And oh, man, you talking about the tie game. Dude. Tie yeah, game. That's like a loss for, for the Stellars. That was no good, but... In that game, that Miles Garrett dude and some of them brownies is chasing Roethlisberger around, and they're like, they're like, we're gonna get it, and he like, he like shove him off, and then he he just won it to the end zone, touchdown. Oh dude. man, Miles Garrett's a beast. That dude. dude's hitting LA Fitness out in out in Bridgeville. Dude, I hate at least to say three it. Times a week. I hate to say it, dude, but I wish he were on the Steelers. Oh man, he, he's a beast. He's no mean Joe. Damashek football program available on Apple Podcasts and at NFL.com slash DDFP. Now here's your host, Dave Damashek. Hey, anyway, look who it is, everybody. And uh, hi and hello and welcome to the Dave Damashek football program presented by Amazon Prime Videos, The Boys. This is a grand idea for a show. These are superheroes, you see. But, uh, but they're more selfish with their powers. They don't do what most superheroes do. And a guy who knows about superpowers 
and about making his own movies. He is the star. He is the creator of his own movie that's uh, having great success so far on iTunes, the number one sports movie, bottom of the ninth. He's also been voted the greatest werewolf of all time, and he is the voice of uh, a character on Blazes and the Monster Machines. He's done it all. It's Joe Manganiello, dude. <laughs> well, it's, it's Manganiello. Manga. Manga. Yeah, I mean, Don I, Aaron uh, and McKees Rocks, they, they, yeah. they do the soft G, but up in Mount Lebanon. Not me, dude. I it's, go. It's a hard G. <laughs> now, now I'm going to get the shame sweats. Right? <laughs> I'm going to get the shame sweats. For real, before we go any further, to show how thorough a, uh, a, a preparer yes. uh, for interviews as I am, I confirmed with six different people. I'm like, because yeah. I, I, I've heard it both ways. Please tell me how it is. And so I went with uh, the wrong pronunciation. Number one, fire all six of those people. Number two, I'll give you my number if you ever have a question now, because we got to hang out. We got to watch games. We got to go to games. We've, you know. There is something about it. I know, and we're going to get into the movie. I want to hear all about, uh, about the whole life or as much as we can squeeze in in the next few minutes. But uh, it is weird that, correct me if I'm wrong, anecdotally, People from Pittsburgh are prouder of their hometown, prouder of it, than any other city. I, I mean, people from New York think that New York City is the only place that matters, but that doesn't necessarily equal the same uh, civic pride that people have. No, there, there's nothing like the pride of Pittsburgh. You don't see anything bad. I mean, the, the classic Taylor example of that is Sienna Miller shooting Mysteries of Pittsburgh by Michael Chabon, and... Uh, referring to it as Berg in mm -hmm. Rolling Stone magazine. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then being shunned by the city. There was a bouncer in the south side that gave her a really hard time after that because she wanted to uh, show her ID. Or she didn't have her ID. She tried to go into a bar. He's like, hey, you know, you got to give me your ID. And she's like, well, I don't have it. And he's like, well, then I can't let you in. And, and, uh, and she said, well, don't you know who I am? Mm. And then the, I guess the crew made T-shirts of "Don't You Know Who I Am" with her face on it. Like it's just kind of you don't do that in Pittsburgh. You just be a cool person and you know mm -hmm. try to you don't throw that card around. I completely you agree know? with that. I also, I mean, the people who have gone out of their way to disparage the city apparently don't like the Ferris wheel because that's where it was created, Pittsburgh, PA. They don't like organ transplantation. Also, first done by Dr. Thomas Starzl in Pittsburgh, PA. Cadaver surgery, knee surgery, yeah. Uh, well, so, so to finish the, the Santa Miller part of it, she went back to film Foxcatcher years later, which mm -hmm. was in the outskirts of Pittsburgh, and uh, the crew was so harsh on her the first week of filming that she stood up on, I heard, I heard she stood up on a chair at lunch and formally apologized for her comments. Darkest day in Steeler history was when uh, another celebrity, Justin Bieber, took the terrible towel. Things ain't been right since he did that. Coincidence or no? He yeah, I remember it, that. And a lot of players yeah. in the moment enjoyed it because they like meeting a celebrity. But I said, this is, uh, this is not a good thing, and <laughs> history has proven me correct. So it's kind of the opposite of stomping on the terrible towel. Whoever stomps on the terrible towel, we crush them. Hushman Zada. He paid a, he paid a steep price for that. And uh, was it Lendell White? When he was on the Titans, he stomped on it. Lendell White did that. We destroyed them. on a th It was a Thursday night game where we unveiled the, the all-black uniforms, I think, and 
and we destroy it hasn't. Them. It has not treated anyone who disparages uh, the towel yeah. very well. I yeah. look forward to that. Actually, somebody stomping on the towel because it's like we're gonna we're gonna crush you. Wonder if we with your connections, maybe you could get Tom Brady to stomp on it. <laughs> like that's what we need. Get someone like you know in disguise to just throw it under his feet and yeah. then film it. Yeah. I can probably um, hook that up. Let's talk about the picture, because this is uh, <clears throat> admirable stuff that you've done. You're, you, you could just rest on your laurels. I mean, you're thriving in, uh, in the business of show, but uh, that wasn't enough for you. You went and wrote your own movie, eh? I like this narrative. Um, well, so I, I read a script about eight years ago and thought it was a really great story. Um, to be told, and uh, and, it, and and that movie is out now. It's called Bottom of the Ninth, and as Dave said, it is now the number one, after the, after the first opening weekend. It's the number one sports movie on iTunes. We're top five drama. I think we're top twenty five overall and moving up. So we're doing really well. Um, and uh, yeah, it was like a lot of hard hard work getting that. Film in the shape, getting it up, getting it cast, getting the money for it. Um, independent filmmaking in today's day and age is is a very very tough job. Before you know, this film probably would have been a studio film back in the. Is 80s. it turning around though? Because I mean, the the arc of that in the last what twenty five years or so, Sex Lies and Videotape, it mm -hmm. kind of that starts the the whole revolution mm -hmm. and. And uh, now with uh, connected TV and all that kind of stuff, is it now coming back a little bit or no? Well, to get people to go to a movie theater to see a movie, you need dinosaurs, you need giant robots destroying a city. Um, the more intimate character pieces where people are doing real acting work, it's really hard to thread that needle and get people to leave their house because you've got a giant 60, 80 inch screen with surround sound, you've got a movie theater at home. And I think a lot of people in a lot of relationships, like at nighttime you have time, you, you throw something on with your wife or your, your significant other. And, and so that's become a thing and people are starving for that type of content. So, you know, a, a film like this or an independent type film that doesn't have giant dinosaurs um, generally is something that people consume at home. That's what you guys do? You and, and uh, the divine Sofia Vergara. <laughs> that people, I don't know what people, well, when you were growing up, what did you yeah. think? How different is the life day to day <laughs> from you growing up in Mount Lebo? <laughs> what are we, I mean, by the way, do you have those out of body kind of things? Like I'm married to her and I do movies and all this kind of stuff. I mean, how, how big a trip is that for you? Sometimes, yeah. I mean, that that's a that is a trip. I think I'm very connected to my Pittsburgh root, uh, roots. Clearly, so, yeah. So when, you know, it's like, yeah, there was a buddy of mine at lunch was a couple years ago was like, you know, we were talking about manifesting things or what, you know, mm -hmm. some hippy dippy thing, and he's like, I just come off of a movie with Pee Wee Herman, where prior to that I had come off of a movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like it was Schwarzenegger, Pee Wee, and then I think I just started dating Sophia and they were just like, bro. And I'm like, I know, it's like kind of crazy <laughs> when you look at it that way. Because yeah, I was a kid sure. who grew up in Mount Lebanon um, and really didn't ever want to be an actor. I didn't think about being an actor until high school when I started writing and making my own films. So that was really, I think the, you know, when, when that kind of, launch for me but yeah I was like you don't think about all this stuff you can't fathom any of that you can't fathom being on 
on the field at Heinz waving the terrible towel before a playoff game and having players like, Joe, what's up? You know, or having yeah. going out to dinner with Troy Polamalu. Like, you can't, you don't, there's no bucket list for that type of thing. You'd never be so pompous as to wish for that or think that, you know, speak that out loud. Like, oh, I'm going to do that. Like, okay, dude. But I will say, so you're at, at Mount Lebo High. You are a three-sport star. And then on top of that, you decide, because that is rarely ambitious for, what, a 16-year-old. I'm going to start writing. I'm going to start do, I'm <laughs> making screenplays here. Well, I think that was what was always <clears throat> actually in my heart. When I was a kid, I was an artist. I just had an artist's like soul. Even as a little kid, I was drawing, writing, painting, creating these stories about these characters. I'd tell them to anybody who would listen to me. I was constantly reading. You know, you know, it was I was also big, you know, and and athletic, but I don't think I had my heart set on, you know, I there was a kid, Dante Calabria. When I was in high I school. I remember Dante Calabria. He went to UNC, right? Yeah, exactly. He played for like one of the, I don't know if it was Blackhawk or somewhere in Beaver, one of the Beaver schools. Mm -hmm. And he was a basketball phenom that, yeah, wound up going D1 to UNC and competing for title, national titles there. And, um, but I remember hearing stories about him that he had the phone. He had a super long cord on the phone before, you know, mobile phones and, cell, you know, portable phones. He had a long cord on the phone out to his backyard. So the phone was there and he just shot hoops <laughs> all day long. And that's all he did. And so, and then there was also like at Upper St. Clair, there were kids that were coming back 35 pounds heavier over the summer. And you know what was going on. You know, it was a really competitive mm -hmm. football area and basketball area. And I knew what it took to, to be excellent and, and do what those guys did or move on to the next level. And I just, I wanted to be an artist, you know. And I was going to use sports to get a better education and go somewhere and play. I was going to play basketball. At the end of high school, I was going to want to play in basketball and go into criminal justice, and I was going to go into federal law enforcement. Hmm. But like at Mount Lebanon, you use sports to get to the better school, to get the better education. and So that was my path, but I threw it all out the window because I just knew I wasn't going to be happy or satisfied unless I was doing something artistic and, and working that side of me out. What's more fun then, now that you are on the other side, to be a part of what's more satisfying or, or however you want to sort of couch it, to be a part of a series that's doing well or to be a part of a, a blockbuster picture? Well, um, you know, I guess it's a little bit of both. Um, you know, being on a, a really successful series is great because you have security. You know, as an actor, it's, when you're unemployed 90% of the time, you're always looking for work and what's your next gig and you always think the gig that you're on is gonna be the last one you ever do. It's just, it, that never, goes away you have breaks from it but then it comes back so um you know that's great the other side of it is sometimes you can get stuck on something that isn't going your way and what i mean by that is yeah know, i hear you they're not writing your character that year mm -hmm. and and so that can get really frustrating because there are other things in film for example that are passing you by that you could have done or could have competed for and so you know, I, I think it's the nature of the artist to want to keep changing and shifting, you know, roles and, and keep exploring this versus that. But I also do like the challenge of over a five-year span taking a character 
arcing a character from here, you know, because there's arcs within a season, there's arcs within episodes, and there's arcs within the entire series of the show. So that's kind of a fun challenge. To it's funny that's what movies are becoming yeah. then, especially yeah. with you in in the Marvel universe now, right? Isn't that kind well, of where you're? I started in Marvel, and then and then I I my character Deathstroke appeared at the end of of Justice League, which was the DC universe, which is the other. I get confused. That's more side. Eddie Spaghetti that's what I'm back here there. For. He yeah. knows some stuff, but he's the one who told me the, the bad pronunciation, so you could blame him for that. Is that right? That's not true. That's not true at all. Don't embarrass me, Spaghetti. I'm Look at these notes. Joe right now. I'm done with. my job. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I hear you about that. But speaking of transformation, um, I'm fascinated and always have been since uh, uh, American Werewolf in London and Thriller. Um, uh, are there any tips you could have for anybody else who might have to, in the future, acting tips here, um, transform from human into beast? Wow, that's a, that's a really good question. Because uh, I like that, like, yeah, you know, like it hurts when it happens. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure somebody has a, has there been a pleasurable werewolf transformation? I don't transformation? know, why, why Is does there it one where it's like, Ooh, you know, like yeah. Let's do this. Hey. All right, you know why? Yeah. Her, no, why? It's always why the so pain? painful. Like no, not again. And then you go because um, you don't want to be the werewolf. I, well, I the way that I rationalized it was that you have um, you have organs inside of you that have to change shape, and they're then pushing against bones which are changing oh, that makes shape, sense. which are yeah. pushing against you know. So. I always thought that it was actually the physical part of the transforming that was like really rough. Like you can feel like every digit when it's stretching <clears throat> out and all that and like yeah. your teeth grow like ah! Yeah, yeah. Was and that the, good, what, how I just that did was, that? That was, this is <laughs> Like that. Have you ever noticed that some people, not necessarily that like they're not trying to pass a, a Primani sandwich or about three. I may have. Yeah, fair enough. Um, have you ever noticed that some human beings, they may not be, tra uh, it, they look like, they're not maybe turning into werewolves, but they're turning into some other beast. Have you ever noticed like 40, like that, he's 60% human, 40% swine. Like, you ever in, like in that? real like, life? Yeah, in real life. Some people like have that like in-between thing. Yeah, totally. You know? Yeah. Like spaghetti's like 30% swine, you know? <laughs> not there yet. I think everybody to some degree looks like some type of animal. I mean, I think... Which one do I look like? It's interesting. Maybe like a, like a nice wolverine. Oh, okay. Like a friendly wolverine. Like if you're in a, like a, like a, like a book about, like a book about like anthropomorphic animals. Uh-huh. And they're like, oh, let's go to Mr. Wolverine's house. And they yeah. went to Mr. Wolverine's house for tea. I'm misunderstood. Sandwiches. Like I, yeah. I, I'd be an interesting... Uh, personification of that metaphor of like just misunderstood like you think I'm bad because I'm a Wolverine but I'm actually kind of cool. Come on in. I've been waiting for you to Dave, knock what's on door. Up? No, no one on ever visits here, me Dave. because they think I mean. Right. Come on in. Yeah you that could, guy. You can you can take that and run with that. Do whatever you want to do with that. It's my gift to you. It's too bad True Blood wasn't running. We'd have like wear Wolverines and you'd be you'd be first on the casting Tell us list. From what I know, I have not gotten to watch uh, the movie yet. I mm -hmm. intend to, as soon as we finish here, I'm not even going to leave this studio. We're going to put it on this screen right here, and we're going to have a watch party. Um, Is that true? Maybe not. But I will watch it by end okay. of week. All right. Um, <laughs> and uh, so it's about, so, so you go to the joint. 
Yeah. And then you get out 17, uh, 17 years later. It's kind of Roy Hobbsy, right, from The Natural. There's there's some Roy Hobbs in there. Yeah. Um, you know, I love the way that The Natural didn't explain the 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 missing years. Hmm. You know, I, there was something about that that um, and because I think. What we're talking about is a redemption story, and you're talking about somebody who makes a mistake when he's very young. And yeah, for people that don't know, so the film, in the film I play a 19-year-old kid um, who grows up in the Bronx in the shadow of Yankee Stadium and winds up getting drafted by the Yankees. He's his baseball phenom, the pride of all the Bronx. And one night he's out with his neighborhood buddies, and they get into a fight with this other group, and he hits a kid, and the kid falls backwards, smacks his head on the curb, and dies. And so he winds up getting nine years in prison for that, and then winds up getting basically a, a double sentence for violence in prison, for keeping hmm. himself alive. You know, it's like a handsome kid goes into prison at, you know, 19, and, like, you know, you got to do what you got to do to, like, you know, keep yourself safe. So he gets out uh, in his late 30s, returns to the Bronx, missed his mother's funeral, uh, missed... The Yankees uh, missed his life basically, and then starts trying to put it back together. He's working a like, you know crummy parole job at a fish market, and um, and uh, and he winds up bumping into well, his old coach comes to see him, who is now coaching in the minor leagues, and uh, offers him a job coaching with him, assistant coaching, and so that he winds up getting this second chance at. At baseball through that in this there's a practice and this rehabbing Cy Young pitcher former Cy Young winner who's down in the minors rehabbing played by Brian Wilson without the beard uh, so it's a beardless Brian Wilson yeah and uh and through this ser- series of like circumstances winds up in this this pitching batting duel with Brian Wilson's character Roger Peterson and everyone winds up seeing that he's still got it and he can still hit so uh, the coach gets him a spot on the minor league team riding the bus in his late 30s. He has hmm. to get it okayed with his parole officer and goes out and winds up getting this second chance. Um, but it's really a second chance for him to work out his karma and work out his, his feeling that he doesn't deserve good things in his life. And during that Pro, through that process, he winds up bumping into the girl whose heart he broke at 19 when he went into the joint, and that's played by my wife. And uh, we're older now, looking back at our lives, and, and it, it drums up how my character going to prison affected both of our lives and our trajectories, and we never really, we never really got our lives on track, and maybe it's a second chance for us, too to have something that we thought was never going to be there. Boy, I mean, yeah, so, I mean, it really does sound in broad strokes, at least simplistically, it sounds like it is like a gritty The Natural. The Natural is a fairy tale where he hits it, where he comes back <laughs> and tears covers off of baseballs, and he either, he strikes out a few times, he either hits home runs or he strikes out uh, in, in, in every at-bat that we see well, in I the think, movie. I think we're talking about redemption is uh-huh. the theme that's at the core of both. We're talking about you know, the tragedy of youth, and we're talking about mistakes that people make when they're young, and this feeling that sets in that the best years are behind you, and that you broke this thing beyond repair, and that you're not going to have an opportunity ever again to, to utilize that talent that made you so special in the first place. And I, and I think that that's, that's a universal theme. That's not a sports movie theme. That's just 
I think there's a lot of people out there who have regrets and, and made, maybe made mistakes or maybe thought, if I could go back in time and just change that one thing that I did, maybe that would have changed my life and maybe I would have been something or maybe I would have done something with this. And, and I don't think that ever goes away. And, and I think that this movie is an exploration of that or, and in a realistic, gritty way, um, you know, how somebody could maybe break that, that karma or break that pattern and how difficult the burden of that, that, that those types of mistakes are on people. I hmm. think it's cathartic, you know? Well, I mean, it, it, it sounds compelling, and here's a clumsy little transition. I do, in my dumb uh, world, I do something called the NFL, where I go back in time and make things right with things that went wrong or went uh, differently than maybe some fans would have liked. Yeah. What for you as a Steelers fan? Go back in time, reverse the moment. What was the worst moment in Pittsburgh sports history, at least Worst in Joe's, it. and we can switch it, and we'll and we can rewrite history. Well, there's two that immediately spring to mind, or three. Two are in one game, and one's in another. I mean, there's two that I would say. Ah, and this is beating a dead horse at this point, but Super Bowl Thirty, those two Neil O'Donnell interceptions. I'm with you on that. You know, I, without minus those interceptions, which were to the same guy in the same spot on the same broken play. What what happens if, you know? And then we win number five, and we're we're five and oh. Um, yeah, that's right. You know, that's right. I think that broke the mystique. Yeah. Um, you know, there's the San Diego AFC Championship game. I was game. in Three Rivers for that one. The thing about that, though, <clears throat> is that they would have gotten whipped by the Niners in, the, in that Super maybe, Bowl, yeah. probably. And so maybe we were spared on a grander stage so, an embarrassment. We wouldn't want that. Richard Mendenhall's fumble, the sixth turnover <clears throat> right. in Super Bowl 45. We had five turnovers, and that second half, the defense turned to concrete. It was like it was like they had just the first half they just been pouring the cement mix into the ground and second half they ju it just locked up they couldn't move and we had five turnovers turnovers and everybody knew we were going to win that damn game and then that fumble happened same thing as Super Bowl 30 one of the great defensive performances in uh, Super Bowl history as after Michael Irvin's touchdown gets uh, gets uh, gets reversed mm -hmm. from that point on for 45 minutes, the Steelers take away, in a way that no other team did during that Cowboys dynasty. They stopped Emmitt Smith, and they took away Troy Aikman. They didn't do anything the rest of that game, and were it not for Neil O'Donnell's uh, picks there, the Steelers yeah. vanquish the titan of the early 90s, yeah. their old nemesis, the Cowboys. So I know that's the game, yeah. you know, that's a game we're playing. I mean, the other one is like last year, you know, I mean, well, the past two years, we've had NFL owners meeting rule change that led to rule changes last year for pass interference so you know the Joe Hayden ridiculous call in that uh, uh, in, in the uh, Saints game you want to play what if with that I've done it with Joe Hayden as well that call doesn't happen Antonio Brown is still Stay, on the stays on the team exactly because exactly. they make the playoffs it, it, there's no fight he doesn't skip on a Bengal week when we need yeah exactly so or, or he blows up in another way because that wasn't the first time, you know. So, I don't know. It's it's hard. It's, or the Jesse James catch. 
That I mean, Jesse James catches. We're in the number one seed. Like number one seed. The Jags, right? The Jags and Patriots clash in the divisional round. That's right. The survivor comes to Heinz Field. That's, that's absolutely right. correct. So, man, there's a lot. But look, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna swing to the positive side, which was you know I, I was at Super Bowl 43 in Tampa when we beat when we beat Kurt Warner, my friend, <laughs> who I was rooting for right up until that game. You know, the James Harrison interception. Which, you know, that was kind of a botched. James was not supposed to drop into coverage. He mm -hmm. showed rush, but then, like, eh, just didn't. Um, drifted, well, had the where presence of mind to drift back into the passing lane. Um, and then, you know, we needed three points. On the final drive, we needed three points to tie that game. And I spoke to Ben about that last drive. Ben who? You know. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. go ahead. Uh, the big guy. And uh, he, the play before the San Antonio Holmes catch, the historic catch, he missed Heinz Ward wide open. Oh, and, really? I didn't know that. And that was in his brain. So he comes back to the huddle and was like, oh, I had him wide open. We could have won. But he was playing to, like, not make a mistake because all we need is the field goal. Let's, let's, let's play for the tie. And so he had that in his brain when he came out and then threw into triple coverage at the back of the end zone. He said that when he, when he left his hand, he had that sinking, sick feeling hmm. that he threw into triple coverage. There's no way. It's an interception. He's going to lose the game, and all we needed was three. And, of course, you know, the rest is history. Unfair or fair in your book, some of the criticisms we've heard, because you're, you know, obviously, um, you tell stories that mostly have happy endings, um, it yeah. seems to me that we've over-mythologized quarterbacks in the 21st century. Brett Favre is <laughs> the swaggering matinee guy who everybody wants to play for, sure. and Tom Brady is. But I don't think that exists in reality in 31 other locker rooms in the NFL. Now, I don't think everybody, every quarterback is beloved amongst uh, the other guys. Okay, so, so and the question is, do you think that it's unfair that it, it seems to me, and yeah. perhaps I am uh, wearing a chip on my shoulder because I support the Steelers, I think that the way that Roethlisberger's described probably could apply to, like I say, 30 other guys that are the starting quarterbacks. Okay, universally beloved, the leader of men, and gives <laughs> gives speeches in the huddle that, that make guys play above uh, their abilities and so on. Well... I you know, I just, I think, I think times change. You know, I think what was passable for Joe Namath is no longer passable, clearly. Um, I think that things that athletes got away with even in the 90s, I think the media sought to cover a lot of those things up. And even what the president did, I think we covered up a lot of hmm. those things. And I think that living in today's era, especially with things going so fast and, and just getting eyeballs on stories rather than even telling the truth, I think has laid, led to an era where, you know, I mean, unless you're a saint, somebody's going to pull something up on you or say something about you. And there's going to be an audience, a hungry audience for that, where I think before you wanted to hide it. There was an importance put on having Michael Jordan be Michael Jordan. That was important to society. It was important to us before. Hmm. And now I think we live in a, in a time where, you know, 
you know, I'm sure the biggest story of the year that year was the Ray Rice video. You know, there's that's that's newsworthy, you know, and, and should that be said? And, and are we trying to make a better world out of exposing videos like that and players like that? And, you know, I thought we were, but then Tyreek Hill happened. So now I'm not sure where we're at and I don't know what we're doing, you know. So, I mean, as far as the quarterback thing goes, it's like, yeah, I've heard it said a, a lot of times that he's the CEO of the company. But I think there's a backlash against that because I think that people see companies and CEOs as, as them versus us, or us being the players. Mm -hmm. And the player somehow who's making X millions of dollars is now the common man, you know, like battle against those owners and get that much, which is a very interesting position. You know, Phil Rivers is the one guy and maybe Baker Mayfield is the other one. That's exactly right. This whole, it's, it's so beaten into their heads that you're the CEO and that, by the way, uh, you know, in the short term, if you say something before a game, it's going to be bulletin board material yeah. and it's not worth it. I'm all for, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, per <laughs> you getting choked up or is this? this Bill is Rivers, <laughs> what he does is moving. Um, the, um, that, that, that is, that, that's what's fun, this, this aversion to charisma, and that's basically what it's led to is, is NFL QBs behaving like senatorial candidates, and there's nothing fun about that. Yeah, I don't want, I don't want anything to no. come back to bite me. But and, isn't that the Bull Durham thing? Yeah, you but know I, what I mean, that's the whole point of Bull Durham. It's like, don't say anything they can put on a bulletin board. The two board. things, I, I mean, one, if Muhammad Ali was, was in his prime right now, imagine that. I mean, there's nobody ever funnier. Namath is maybe number two in terms of the, he's the coolest NFL guy in history, but he couldn't do the things he was doing in the late 60s. Um, and Ali, for, for everything but mm -hmm. the sense of humor, mm -hmm. he would be 100 times the star he already was. And then on the other hand, to your point, Fats Holmes in Pittsburgh is bipolar or whatever he was, and he thinks the, a police helicopter is following him and so he starts shooting from his car at the police. And it's a, it's a charming anecdote. Oh, they were different back then, right? <laughs> if somebody did that now, yeah. society would halt. It's for a terrorist attack. <laughs> what? Yeah. Wait, he did, wait, what? A, a yeah. football player did what now? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I mean, and, and I think it's just, you know, it, it's, it's, it's the zeitgeist, you know. But, but I think that we're still talking about a league where... You know, you you don't want yeah you don't want your quarterback making bulletin board material you know and I, and I think part of being a leader of men or the CEO of the team is is keeping the drama levels low you know I don't think it's your job as a quarterback to raise drama levels now of course melodrama I'm with you you don't yeah. need internal strife but I think it's fun I I think talking bad about rivals and stuff that's yeah no that's all fair game that's good with I me that's i want enough. that stuff. listen i you know my formative years were smash mouth they were steelers versus ravens like they're like bodies are being taken off of the field you know like the classic example is that ravens steeler game where James Harrison went off. It was like his coming out party, where it was like 10 tackles, three mm -hmm. and a half sacks, like an interception, a fumble recovery. He knocked Ed Reed out cold. Like, I loved those games. You know, Ryan Clark hitting Willis McGahee so hard that, like, they just 
drop to the ground. I've like, talked to Ro- That's Creed Balboa too. Oh. Yeah, they both go down, and and Clark barely can get to his feet and stumble off to his oh, sideline. It was so bad. I've talked to Ryan Clark about that game. It is it it is the nastiest game I've ever seen. The Steelers not cold. Three Ravens in that game. <sighs> Lima Swede, the biggest play he ever made for the Steelers that's was right. knocking a that's a right. Raven cold in that game. That's right. And that's right after Palomalu's pick six, the greatest play in Heinz Field history. <sighs> And then the uh, head-on collision of Ryan Clark and Willis McGahee. And I remember legitimately in that moment thinking, well, this is going to spoil the party that Willis McGahee has just been killed on the field. I really thought that that's what had happened. Yeah, it was like you felt the way bad they about reacted. Cheering. They're like, yeah. oh, you didn't want to. You don't want to clap because it's like there might be someone might have just expired before your very that's eyes. That's what it looked like. The way they reacted, like, oh, that was that, that was because well, a big eyes. hit is like, okay, so Ryan Clark on Wes Welker. Wes Welker flies about ten yards that way. You're like, ooh, good hit, but he got the worst of that one. Like. The worst hits in the NFL are the ones that are 10-yard or more running start. Both of them, you know, bulls just boom, mm-hmm. and nobody flies backwards. Just boom. rivalries Drops. are good for sports. I don't. I parody is not. Uh, so that was a beauty. I loved it yeah. when they used to talk smack. I used to love that. You know, I mean, can't wait. Bart Scott, come on! Like that was; those are like the best, you That's know. Exactly right. Rex Ryan, Jets games; those are like those right. are so. I great. could talk to you forever. Spaghetti, is this going all right so far? No, it's not, huh? I w- <laughs> sorry, my microphone issue. I wish it was going for another hour or so, but we have unfortunately. Oh, I thought Joe the way, was, uh, the way he reacted there. I got worried. Like, the, like I think he was crying too. No. I thought we were oh, like tears of like, I, love I, love those 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 I love those games. I love those games. No, he's a Hans Ward should be in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> no, he's a Which giant he fan, and he thinks that. Uh, he thinks that Eli Manning is as good as Ben Roethlisberger. So let's. There that was true? A, you think that? Come there on. was a moment where that argument could have been made, yeah. but no ben, ben just led the league in passing last year. So I think you know if Eli can do that this year, he won't. It'll be a bad year for Eli, and Daniel Jones will play. So, but I'll admit defeat after the season's over. But I like Eli. I was at Super Bowl Forty Six when the the Giants took down the Pats. My brother and I went. Who was six foot seven, two inches hmm. tall, and we were dressed head to toe in Steeler gear. We looked like it was Halloween, and we came, we were walking around at that Super Bowl. Going, so you play these things without us and, and the whole week, <laughs> and uh, you know, and I, I was I became a huge Eli Manning fan in that game. Oh. Yeah, I wasn't already. Well, yeah, he at least that's that's the bemusing thing I guess about uh, Tom Brady's Patriots is you can make a strong case that they could have ten Super Bowls. Where I mean, if Eli. As uh, as my pal Ross Tucker has pointed out, if Olivia and Archie Manning don't meet at Ole Miss, <laughs> then then Tom Brady does have double digit rings now without Peyton and Eli in the picture. So so okay. So let me just pitch this. Uh, oh man, I don't even know if I want to pitch this on the air. I might want to want to do this. Let's let's hold that back. Yeah, let's surprise America with I it. Just later. had an idea for. For like a like a one hour film or like Perfect. a two hour like maybe like a like a TV event. Ooh, uh, uh, I, I like out, TV out of, events. Yeah, okay. Out of something you just said. Uh, no, do they still do TV events? It feels like those went out in like eighty three, eighty four. We're gonna bring it back, man. I just saw well, Family Ties that opens with that. It's a very special Family Ties. It's very when, special. It's when Uncle Ned, aka Tom, Tom Hanks, Hanks, was drinking Robitussin or vanilla extract in the kitchen. Look who knows his stuff. <laughs> Look who knows it's the alcoholism stuff. episode. And he makes that's right. And he makes Alex P. Keaton. He makes him a maraschino cherry glass at 2 a.m. And then like Alex P. Keaton's like, 
I'm cramming for a test, Uncle Ned. I don't know what you're doing. And he, then he drinks the extract and, you know. Then he gives Alex, imagine this in a sitcom. In a sitcom, by Go me. on, I'm listening. He gives Alex B. Keaton, his beloved nephew, the back of his hand. Like, he, you know, he knocks him to the floor like Ryan Clark on Willis McGahee. Well, do you remember? What kind of sitcom is this? <laughs> do you remember, like, um, you know, on I Love Lucy? Like, you know, yeah. Ricky was always, like, threatening to spank <laughs> Lucy. And then she, they would go to commercial and come back, and Lucy would be at work, like, rubbing her butt like something just happened. Yeah, you know what right. I mean? There was a lot of implied spanking. What about and- the weird implication of Jack Tripper? He has a waterbed and his own bedroom, and in the room next door, he has his concubines, essentially, in single beds. They share a room, uh, the, the two girls do, and, you know, Jack and his pal Larry Dallas are f***ing around Santa Monica. They're just going to the Regal Beagle and chasing, chasing girls every night, but when either one of those women tries to have a date, they disrupt it. What, what's in your business if your roommate's having a date? It's because like it's like a, it's like one click of the dial from that movie, The Room, with with Kinda. Brie Larson. That's right. It's <laughs> like one click. If, and, there, if it was a kid in there. And with what's them. with Mr. Roper's range in 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 point of view about society? He is he on one hand, he's backwards enough. Like men, single man living with single women, I won't have it. Oh, he's gay. I'm cool with that. That's a weird paradox for a character. And even weirder, Mr. Furley, who replaces Mr. Roper, has the identical worldview. Strange. <laughs> that was the most deep dive sitcom rant I may have ever heard. And damn it, if I'm not gonna go pitch HBO, like we need to take, like, imagine having, you know, time capsule sitcoms where you just go back and. Mm-hmm. This that is TV what it was event like just back turned then. two hours. It's now a two-hour TV event. Like the honeymooners. Bang, boom, dirt, dirt. You know, like, <laughs> that was, <laughs> that was, just, right. it was just a different... I'm with you. Hey, Eddie Spaghetti, hey, Joe. Yeah? I'm sure I, you, you've uh, dropped a couple of metaphors along the way and uh, in our conversation. And, you know, one of them is, uh, will you or won't you touch that with a 10-foot pole? Now, everybody talks bravely okay. with the figurative 10-foot pole, I now hold, and I'm handing to you, Okay, I take the, the pole. literal 10-foot pole. Okay, all right. The literal, you know about that, because you did that dance movie. I did, I, yes. Right? 10-foot pole Richie, I believe did was Did you guys ever talk name. about, like, did you guys ever talk about, like, with, with the other guys on that show, where, in that movie, where you're like, I mean, technically, I think the women would like me best. Is it, was that like a competition amongst yourselves? Like, who, who's the most handsome? No, man. No. Not really. No. I think it was like a boy band. Like we all had our own thing that we did. You know, everybody has their own personality. Different groups of girls. Not the come old to guy. See the I mean, different... the old guy. He was no. WWE champion. Okay. But they, big not... Daddy. Know, big, he yeah, big be. sexy Kevin Nash. He was like with Pam Anderson in the day. Like, I mean, he had like he was the man. Like, m- listen, my mom is in was like in love with Kevin Nash. Okay. Really? So like, he's got his demo. But you and Channing Tatum, because to me it probably comes down to the two of you. Channing's the dancer. If it's like a rivalry. Channing's the dancing guy. He's like the dancer guy. Right. You know, let's call it that. You know, like, and then I'm like the You're just like, I don't don't need to dance. I don't even need to dance. I'm just going to stand Well, my character's name does a lot of the work. You know what I mean? That's also one of the reasons why you take a role like that. Mm -hmm. Really in the grand scheme of life, it's a gift. 
I, in a lot I, of ways. I can't imagine. I mean, obviously, look at me. I don't have to tell you this. I can't imagine what it must be like for somebody to approach you about a movie where it's like, yeah, because because yeah, it's understood that you're uh, super handsome. Is that what it's like? Is that is it like? Am I handsome enough to be considered super handsome? I mean, I don't know. I mean. I mean, what do you what, what do you ask it? I mean, it's it's a, it's a male it stripper trip. movie. It's a male stripper movie. I know, but I'd like so. to be. I always have. I, I I always I always envy like what it must be to be George Clooney and like yeah like yeah well of course you don't live in the reality that that we live in like of course you walk in and everybody was like oh my god who's that guy like you well know? listen man I mean it's I'm gonna I'm gonna just like stop you right there like you know nobody. Like, my assistant didn't go to the gym for me twice a day, six days a week for 10 months out of the year while I was on juggling True Blood and Magic. My, you know, there's a lot of, that's a mm. lot of work. You know, you're training like a professional athlete. You're eating like a professional athlete. You're sleeping like a professional athlete. Like, it's, it's a lot of work. I've been doing that for the last 11 years. I mean, <laughs> so you that's know. That's how I live. Um, so, like, you know, it's a lot of work. And, and so... You know, when someone calls you up and is considering you for that, I mean, yes, that's a part of it, but it's also, it's Steven Soderbergh. So, you know, this is like, if Steven Soderbergh doesn't, he's not shooting that movie or directing that movie or Greg Jacobs isn't, isn't directing the second one, I'm not doing it. We're not doing it. That's not, it's not interesting to me. You know, it was, it was, um, it was done in a really subversive and funny mm -hmm. way. There was a huge joke and actually some statements on society being made, and we were in on it. And that was really fun to be a part of this subversive, interesting, you know, and True Blood was kind of the same way. It was Alan Balls, a bunch of people with Oscars and serious hardware doing, like, a, take, tackling a very fun, high-concept topic, but then doing it really well. So, um, you know, when you're involved in a production like that, it's like, you want to give it your all. So, of course, you're going to hit the gym harder than you've ever hit. You're going to, you want to come in correct because yeah. I just like the challenge you know I mean the film's gonna live forever I might as well come in and let's you know let, let's go all the way in, in every way possible do you think so by that comparison don't you think that a little bit too much has been made about the actors who were in Saving Private Ryan that they went to boot camp for three days they go they <laughs> huh, that was I'll never forget that. That was tough. And, and Hanks, we wanted to leave after the first night, but Hanks said no. He became the captain. It, he made us stay for that. It's like, you were there for a couple nights, fellas. Yeah, like, I, th no. I, th I, think, I think actors are, are very sensitive people <laughs> to begin with, so I think they are prone to, this was incredible, but you know, I mean, I've worked with Navy SEALs. I've worked with, like, DevGrew guys. I've, wor I've done ride-alongs in... South LA with Inglewood Narcotics. Like, you know, I've worked with bad dudes. And, you know, in another lifetime, could I maybe have gone down one of those roads? Yeah, I think so. I mm. think so. I think, you know, but did I? No. So am I going to walk around and say, I went through Navy SEAL training? No, I'm not, because I didn't. And those guys did. And it's a slap in the face to say that, you know, you did that. But, you know, I think when you get into an ensemble, that's the, the interesting thing about acting is you get into this ensemble and you start, you start bonding, you start forming, and then you start taking on that role to the group. So I've been in situations where I've been the Navy SEAL squad leader, and it is my job 
to work out harder. It is my job when we're running to be out in front. It is my job to be there before everybody else and leave afterwards and do one extra, you know, because that's what a leader does. And, and then if you're doing your job right, those other castmates, they will say about you what they say about Tom Hanks. Which he became the captain. He was the man because their character needs that to, you know, that's what you need to, and, 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 and it'll work, you know? I could, I, I could hear about this anyway. uh, endlessly. I could, uh, I, you I, get it. No, I listen. It's, what it, it really is What did you just pull All out? All right. So, like I say, people are courageous about what they won't touch with a 10-foot pole when okay. it's figurative. You now, at another level, a literal 10-foot pole. Will you touch this statement with a 10-foot pole? Joe, Baker Mayfield, in 2019, is the best quarterback in the AFC North. It's not true. I'm not touching You're not going to touch that with a 10-foot no, pole? No, I'm going to touch this table instead. Not Andy Dalton? <laughs> or Lamar Jackson? Oh, we're going with number seven then. Yeah, man. All I right. mean, come on. That guy's... Okay, good. I like, I like where your head's it's, at on that. You have to prove yourself. you got to prove yourself. And when you prove yourself, you, you, it's, it's put it and put the money in my hand. Put the money... I'm not saying... There isn't potential or the people aren't great or that they're not going to have a great career or they're not capable of great things, but put it in my hand. Here's the thing that I find <clears throat> fascinating, and we'll have to wait and see how it plays out here, is, I mean, you have a bunch of alpha guys in Odell, Jarvis Landry likes yeah. his touches, yeah. Yeah. Baker Mayfield, mm -hmm. Freddie Kitchens, who's never been a head coach, is the guy who is going to resolve all of those locker room issues and take them to success. That's, I mean... They are loaded, by the way. The Browns are a loaded roster. Absolutely. But that's what happens when, I mean, that, that's what happens. That's what happens over time when you get to draft super high. You get those guys. Um, you have a ton of talent. I mean, look, Pat Riley stepped into a very talented team in the early 80s and did well with that. Um, you're breaking a culture. He also did well with that with a team that had won previous championships and had a guy in Kareem Abdul-Jabbar who had won before. There were people on the team that had won. I mean, Magic won his first year. Like, they, they, they had touched that. They kissed it. They know what, what it took. Mm -hmm. um, you're talking about a culture and a team and an organization that has never won. And I'm not talking about the Ravens. I'm talking about this iteration of the Browns. Mm -hmm. So... You're talking about breaking culture, and that is sometimes a very tough thing to do in a sustainable way. Look at the Jaguars. Everybody thought the Jaguars were going to come out last year and, like, they had turned a corner. Well, the majority of the smarts out there who talk about football for a living will tell you the Browns are the team to beat in that division. There's another team that's won a number of <laughs> AFC North titles named the Pittsburgh Steelers. They are the underdog now. Touch this with a 10-foot pole, will you? The underdog Steelers will win the AFC North in 2019. Trying to knock down this shelf over here. Knock down whatever you want. That's right! Yeah. You did it, Joe. That's right. You think the Steelers, and why? Not just because you want to see it happen. Tell me why you think this team, minus 84 and 26, is, is somehow better or at least good enough to claim the division this year. Well, I think the I think the other team, at least last year, that that was challenging to the Steelers were the Ravens. But I don't think I don't think their quarterback 
I think their quarterback has a lot to prove in the throwing department. I don't know how sustainable the running quarterback, running offense is going to be, especially in a second season when people have tape. Unless he grows tremendously, they can figure him out. I mean, Colin Kaepernick, I mean, it's a hot-button topic, but that was a classic example. Like, nobody had a better, you know, out-of-the-gate jump than, than that guy did, and they figured him out. Well, and the defense has very likely regressed there in Baltimore ever so slightly, which yeah. which takes away the margin of error. Yeah. If you want to play nip and tuck like the Ravens did all through the second half of the season, sure. uh, they, they are going to have to put more points up. But the Browns, though, I don't know. You know, I, we, we, we've discussed them. I think the, the secret weapon for the Steelers this year is specifically on that defense, that front three to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Hargrave and Hayward, there's not a ton of depth there, but they dominated the second half of the season. Yeah. And if on the back end now, with some of the fixes they've made and Hayden pro- yeah. providing the stability back there, I think the defense has a chance to be a top five defense. They have a chance. Yeah. They've shown they've shown the the promise of that, and now it's just can it can it be consistent for an entire season? Can we also come out of the gate strong? You know, that's is, a that's a tough one. <laughs> a tough Patriots one at Patriots, yeah. Seahawks at San Francisco. That's a rugged. And we hit our game. stride traditionally later on in the season, which has fared well for us in terms of deep playoff. You know, like you know, in Super Bowl runs. But I think, um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm optimistic. I also th- I, I'm also optimistic about who we drafted. And I'm optimistic about those pizzas stepping in. I'm, I, I hope that the angst created by all the talk of distractions last year. I hope that I hope that that puts a chip on everyone's shoulders, and that they're going to come out strong with something to prove. That's right. Well, no, yeah. Listen, no team has won a title in any sport in a quarter century with uh, people outside the locker room believing in them. If you listen to the players in that locker room, they're the only ones who believe in the. Th- it happens to be true with the Steelers in 2019. I couldn't be more excited for a Steelers season. Uh, last thing, I went to Kennywood a couple weeks ago. No way. Have you been to on the uh, Steel? Are you going to uh, make a trip to ride the Steel Curtain? I'd love to. I'm going back for a, I'm on the board at, uh, I'm on the board at Pittsburgh Children's and I'm going back for an event uh, in, in early August. So, uh, man. Uh, well, let me ask you this. Do they have Heinz ketchup in the park or what? Because there was they a scare. They fixed it? That was a, that was a, a disgrace. Man. And the people of Pittsburgh rose up you about can't have what's b- important. potato patch fries with Hunts? No. Get out of here. No. Come on. Dave, what's uh, last question is uh, what's, your, what, uh, what's your meat of choice at Promantis? Meat of choice? Um, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a steak and cheese guy, mm. but I also like the Genoa salami. Um, I took my wife, Sophia, and she had the turkey and cheese, which mm. I was like, they have turkey here? It's a weird choice. Yeah, yeah, but like it was a very, I think it was more like a lighter. Like I know I'm walking into a situation with french fries on the sandwich, so I'm going to pick the lighter choice. And I was like, look. Don't embarrass me. Well, I said, I said right. you know, Hillary Clinton came here on her campaign trail for a photo op. And she, she left without eating the sandwich. And it was a huge thing. Mm-hmm. And... I don't know if that led to her to Pittsburgh or Pennsylvania switching to a red state, but that might have been it. That You're might have been naive, what it came right. down to. You talk about going back in time and changing things. You want to change that election. You 
Nick Hillary eat the Primanti Brothers sandwich. at least sandwich. half of that, right? Maybe they stay blue, right. and then they win. Mm. But it didn't happen, so I said, you can't do this to me. Do not pull a Hillary. you got to eat this whole sandwich. And uh, she took a first bite, and it was like, she just took another and another, and just mm. like wolfed that thing. She loved it. And now and, all of a sudden, bottom of the ninth, mm. a big hit. Coincidence? Probably, but I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe not. Eat your Primanti Brothers. And make sure you check out Bottom of the Ninth, starring Joe Manganello and Sofia Vergara. Uh, uh, Brian so- Wilson, Dennis O'Hare from True Blood, uh, Michael Raspoli, Vinny Pastore from Sopranos and the Deuce fame. Uh, great, great, great actors. Great bunch of actors in this film. All right, well, I look forward to watching it, which I will do by week's end. In the meantime, I hope the conversation doesn't end as uh, football season is nigh. If not before, let's see you out at uh, that uh, Chargers game. At the Chargers home game? Early October. Sunday night football, dude. (laughs) Yeah, the Steelers home game. Exactly. All right, everybody. The great Joe Manganiello. Thanks, man. Thanks, pal. Yeah. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started.